then. Children of the night, what music they make. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Excellent day for an exorcism. Oh, Kill you all! You don't know what death is. We belong dead. Here's Johnny. <laughs> I shot him six times. On to your butt. Bring for your life. <laughs> Into a new world of parts and monsters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pods and Monsters. My name is Robert. My name is Anthea. And we have a special guest today. What's his name, Anthea? What's your name, guest? Kurt Sandvig. And where are you from, Kurt? From Detroit? Or what, no. what, are, you, what are you looking the for The reaches here? of the internet. Oh, I'm from uh, Paranormal Almanac. Yay, Yay, thanks for joining us. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, you do your own podcast, Paranormal Almanac, where you talk about things paranormal and almanac-y, right? Yes, all, it's mostly almanacs <laughs> nowadays. I got rid of the paranormal part of it. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a funny thing, because we're going to be talking about the paranormal today. That's oh. true. We are doing the movie Paranorman. Oh. No. <laughs> no. No, we are talking about what I believe is your favorite movie, Kurt. It, it is indeed my favorite, favorite movie since since it came out, since 84. My favorite movie, Ghostbusters. Ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? You have? They're here. <laughs> Did you see it in theaters? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Exciting. I, I saw it in the theater four times when it was first out. And oh then gosh. it took obviously a long time before I could see it again because that was how it was done back then. But mm-hmm. my parents actually, because it was either 84 or because they didn't care for me, they let me just go walk uh, a couple of miles to the movie theater and go and see it. Oh, and that's awesome. Can I ask questions? When was the first time that you guys saw Ghostbusters? Oh, I don't remember. Really? I I just know that I've seen it and it's always been in my life, but I don't remember the first time I saw it. I don't remember the first time either because I know by the time I was two or three, I was really into the real Ghostbusters also, the cartoon. Sure. But I I knew the movie also. I was probably one or two. It probably came to HBO within the next couple years after it came out and I saw it that way or something. So uh, you know the movie pretty well, right, Anthea? I have a pretty good hold of this movie, so I didn't write anything down for it. So I just uh, wrote down notes while I watched the movie. Well, why don't we get right into it? Let's do this. Yay. So Anthea and I watched the movie again this morning. Yes. Kurt watched it uh, this morning too. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, I think the last time I watched it was about a month ago. Every month, a month or so ago, I watch it. I know I did take a break because I, I have all the gear and I'm a, I was a ghost. But I'm a Ghostbuster. We made the proton packs. I'll get into that later. But like, so we would get invited to every screening. Yeah. So for oh. three years straight, mm-hmm. we all had to go and we didn't have to, but we all went and saw it like two times a month 
in a movie theater. Mm. So I was like, I got to take a little Ghostbusters break. But then I, I watch it about a month, every other month. All right, Anthea. So take us through 1984's Ghostbusters. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters! Okay, so this movie opens up with the Columbia Pictures logo, which is a very classic logo for me, which I don't think they make Columbia Pictures anymore. Yeah, they do. They do. Did they change their logo? It's uh, part of Sony Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Uh, So they still have the same logo or the same type of logo. It's a redone one, but it'll say like a Sony Pictures company or something. Okay, with the woman holding the torch? No, I was going to say, but they don't have that woman anymore. I thought they they do have the woman I don't think so. I thought it was, oh, maybe sometimes, maybe. I mean, the last time I remember... Remember the woman was like I don't know like super bad or something like that. It, it's been a while okay, the last time I had saw it. I don't know. I just feel right. like I haven't seen it. So our movie opens in New York at the New York Public Library, and it, I really think the music that comes in right at the beginning is very lighthearted and whimsical, and uh, takes a really great turn when the spooky stuff starts happening. That's true. So yeah. I just really appreciate it because there's no dialogue really for a little while. No. So you just really get the mood of how lighthearted this movie will be, but it's also like scary at the same time. They did that um, because they wanted to establish New York as one of the characters of Ghostbusters. That makes sense. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The music is so good. It's by Elmer Bernstein. Yeah. Uh, who's a very famous composer. It does such a good job to really create that sort of horror music and the comedy at the same time. Mm -hmm. Much in the same way uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein does, which is another one of my favorite movies. Abbott and Costello, you know, is sort of a uh, inspiration for Dan Aykroyd to make this type of movie. He he has said in interviews before that it's like Abbott and Costello or Laurel and Hardy, you know, busting ghosts, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay. We meet a librarian who is putting books away and she's going into the lower recesses of the library and as she's walking by the books behind her start floating around and then the card catalog opens and this is a very like was it used in the trailer for it but it's like a very iconic scene for Ghostbusters with all of the cards just flying out of this card catalog. Do you know and how they did that? No. It's cool. It's very it's a very practical effect. There was a a grip behind the card catalog thing and he's literally just pushing a rod and as he's pushing a rod it flips them all up. Wow. Yeah. That's done so well. Yeah. So the music starts to turn ominous. Takes a little bit of a darker turn. At one point she's screaming and running away and then she turns around and face the camera there's this white light that flashes in front of her and wind and she's just screaming and it goes into the ghostbusters logo the title card terrific logo which is so good and but ghostbusters is two words that's right. It's true. Yeah. When did the chain when? Because well, they didn't know it was going to be called Ghostbusters for the longest part of the filming of it. <laughs> they didn't know well, they had the right. They weren't sure they were going to get the rights to it. Oh. And you know, Ghostbusters was a uh, cartoon earlier in the 70s. And I a believe. TV show as well. And a TV show. Yeah. It had nothing to do with this Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's Ghostbusters on the title card, two words. And then the movie poster makes it one, one word. word. Yeah. yeah. And pretty much all the merch from that point from on, that point it's on almost, yes except i saw the real ghostbusters as two words still really during the main titles oh, oh, oh that that's very possible yeah yeah i, I was gonna say not on any of the stuff but yeah that yeah. makes sense um the ghostbusters logo was done by michael gross who is an incredible well was an incredibly cool guy he just passed away 
Um, I was lucky enough to hang out with him a couple of times and talked with him. He worked on National Lampoon. He basically started National Lampoon. And then he worked with uh, John and Yoko as well and on the Muppets and all this other cool stuff. Like, he was just a brilliant guy that had stories for days. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he, he just whipped it up one day. They were like, we need a logo. He's like, boom, 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 here you go. Because their logo initially, we said ghost, and then it had a little, like, empty sheet with eyes cut out of it, nailed to a wall, and then Busters. And that was going to be the Ghostbusters logo, and he didn't like that. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, and I was reading also that one of the main things that he had to keep in the back of his mind is he had to create a cartoonish, lovable, sort of looking ghost that did not look like Casper. That's true. Okay. From here, we're at Waverly Hall, Mm -hmm. and we go to the Paranormal Studies Laboratory that has some graffiti on the door. And we hear a man speaking who is Peter Venkman. And what does the graffiti say? Venkman burning hell. Burning hell. Now, who do you think did this? Just some kid that doesn't like him? Well, uh, yeah, that's the theory is that, that the test that they are going to run in a little bit in the movie yeah. that he consistently does to kids to the point where they hate him to the point that they <laughs> did that. Well, yeah, because that poor kid who he does torture during this. So, so what's he's, the test? He's doing a test on ESP mind reading kind of a thing to mm-hmm. see if these two kids can figure out what's happening. But he ends up saying that he's doing a test on the negative reinforcement yes. to the study. Yes, to, so, right. by zapping them as negative reinforcing yes. it. Yes. So he, like, every time this one kid who's male gets it wrong, which he's actually not far off, and he gets it right I was going to say, he actually gets it right, yeah. <laughs> so what, um, the, what the test is, he's holding up giant cards, and the... I've always loved these cards. I've wanted a set of these. Uh, <laughs> one side is like the bicycle uh, logo, you know, for playing cards. And then the side that they have to guess will be a shape, mm-hmm. whether it's a square circle or a couple of wavy lines. A couple of wavy lines. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time this guy gets it wrong, or even when he gets it right, doesn't matter, he electrocutes him. Okay. And at the same time, he's hitting on the girl yes. who gets everything wrong. And he's just hitting on her. That's it. She's like the dream girl of 80s movies and TV shows, though. She so, was in yeah. other stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I know that face. Oh, I love um. her. I love her. <laughs> no, she's beautiful. And I mean, yeah, it's fine. But it's really funny because he's like putting on the charm. Meanwhile, this kid who just is trying his best is getting totally hosed. It's a really funny scene. And it sets up exactly who he is. Oh, yeah. And the guy, that the kid, the guy part, he came up with the spitting out the gum. Um, it was like improvised and they loved it so they left it in there yeah, I like that it's so good so, I thought it was going to be electric shock <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can keep your five dollars and just storms off that's some hairdo on him too oh my god yeah it's because he keeps getting electrocuted <laughs> So this kid storms off, and as Peter's talking to this young lady, in walks in Ray, um, who is paying no regard to the game that Peter's trying to put down, and starts telling him that there's some stuff happening at the library, and that they need to go. Bankman, at the same time, is trying to make a date with this girl, and finally does make a date, because they're interrupted, even though he's like, can you come back like in an hour, an hour and a half, or something. And what time was the date for? One, two, three. Oh, yeah, yeah, Eight? Eight, eight o'clock? Eight o'clock? <laughs> Eight o'clock. I thought you were going to say, that's why I sat and stared at you. Yeah. Eight, eight o'clock? I was just going to say, eight o'clock? <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, I don't know. I, I would press a little buzzer on both of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so from 
here we cut to Egon, who is, I think he might uh, be my favorite. He's the best. He is. I love Egon. And, you know, I actually even prefer him in the sequel. I, think I do, has, too. He has funnier lines in the sequel. And my favorite line from the sequel <laughs> is this laugh when he goes, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Robert, That's your favorite Yes, <laughs> Robert loves to do that oh laugh. Oh, my God. He'll, he'll kind of put lines before that. Or he'll do something, and then he just laughs like that. And no, he's th- like, what's that from? And I'm like, are you insane? He's the heart of the Ghostbusters. A hundred percent. It's funny you say that, because in the movie, Peter says Ray is the heart uh, of yes, Ghostbusters. But he's not <laughs> at all. So Egon is taking readings at the library, and Bankman is asking some mildly inappropriate, very funny questions from the librarian. And from here, they end up going down to the basement to go check out everything that she's witnessed. Do you know that you can go to the basement of that library? It's here in LA. What? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, the in, in, the interior shots are in LA and you can actually go down in the basement. We were lucky enough that when we were wearing our outfits, they were like, you guys want to go down there, don't you? We're like, yeah, we do. <laughs> but it doesn't look anything like that. Dang it. There's no like stacks of books. No, no, that's what I was like. I'm like, oh, there's no vertical stacking phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> what library is it? It's the downtown LA library. Okay. It's like right okay. there. Yeah. Also used in seven, I think. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was in seven. That's right. Yay. You were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it looks nothing like it but it's very cool like we did a uh, a tour of downtown la's locations for ghostbusters mm-hmm. and we got into the firehouse which was the last time anybody was allowed in that firehouse up until very recently oh wow and then the biltmore which we'll talk about and the library nice yeah so in the basement they find a symmetrically stacked stack of books i love that ray ends up bringing up the philadelphia mass turbulence of 1947 <laughs> <laughs> and immediately bankman's like oh because the people don't stack books. <laughs> no human can stack <laughs> Symmetrical book stacking, just like the Philadelphia Man's Turbulence of 1947. You're right. No human being would stack books like this. And then uh, oh, the best line. line that we just like busted up laughing was when Ray says, Listen, you smell something? Oh my God, it's the best. <laughs> now that's meant to be a joke, right? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> I need to incorporate that into my life. (laughs) (laughs) So from here, they find the card catalog and it's covered in goo. And of course, um, Egon. Yes. Well, I'm going to just say goo because then they say it's ectoplasm. And Bankman brings up, he's like, that someone just sneezed all over (laughs) the card catalog. But Egon asks for a sample. Yeah, I love how much Egon wants these samples, how he loves this stuff. But this scene has the first time we get a classic Ghostbusters instrument, which is the PKE meter. Yep. Which I have always loved. I've always wanted one. I'm sure you have one. I do. Did you see Spirit Halloween has replicas of them? Yeah, they're not good. They're decent for mass-produced ones. And I saw some people repaint them. And yeah. looking at them, they look okay. I'm sure they're very light. The Maddie one is spot-on perfect. The which one? Maddie, Mattel. Mattel um, oh. did a, uh, a line of gear couple years ago well five six years ago and the, they call it the maddie pke meter that one is perfect like oh. spot on perfect the actual pke meter itself is a shoe polisher it's an electric shoe polisher and that's what they use that you know that's how they got the prop part of it yeah. and then they built their own prop and you can still find them i just got one recently for a dollar you can still find them at garage sales the uh, shoe polisher yeah but it doesn't have the tongs on the end it does it. not it, it's got nothing it's got a little round 
nub at the back that you have to file down and but yeah. but it is the it, you know it's immediately recognizable yeah that it is the pke meter oh, i gotta look for that shoe polisher the original pke meter was gonna look like a uh, metal detector like a big ass metal detector mm. and they didn't like the fact that it was so clunky looking that's why they made this stylish futuristic looking pke meter okay more on brand so the whole time that they're doing this thinkman is very skeptical and as he's talking about it and getting to the boys because they've gone down the hallway a little bit a bookshelf behind them falls and that actually kind of unsettles Finkman a little bit rumor is that was not scripted that fell on its own really i never knew that that's uh what that's what i read in some research oh wow that uh i've never heard that the bookshelf fell and the line was ad-libbed when peter says it's happened to you before so they're following the readings that they're getting to this uh, full torso apparition is what they keep calling it. And they see her looking at a bookshelf and I think she has some books in her hand or she something. Does. Yeah. And so they don't know what to do. Uh, so Venkman is asking and no one knows. So he pulls them aside and I believe it's Ray that suggests that they need to make contact, but no one wants to volunteer for this. So of course, Finkman's like, okay, I guess it's me. And he goes over and says the most uncomfortable, clunky, <laughs> hello. <laughs> to this woman. Hello, I'm Peter. Where are you from? the ghost shushes him and someone says i think it's ray i don't know says the usual stuff isn't working but this is the first time they're doing it yeah there is no usual stuff (laughs) so from here he's like ray takes over and just screams get her and so they run at this ghost who then turns around and turns into this terrifying monster get her They go running from the, from the library, and I believe the head of the library is running after them. Yeah. And he's like, "Did you see it?" Yeah. And he's what like, "We'll get back to you." <laughs> As they're running away, they thought, get her. Yeah, get her. <laughs> they thought that in the test screening, they thought it might be too scary, and they were like, "Uh oh, we just went from comedy, comedy, comedy to this is a horror movie instead." But the audience went with it and immediately started laughing when they ran out, and they're like, "Okay, we you know exactly what we're doing." But that lady. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, um, something like Janet Oliver, she only had like two credits. It was Ghostbusters as the Librarian, and then like uh, Trapper John M.D. or something in the '70s. That was oh. she. She wasn't really well known. Huh. Yeah. Well, she looks great. I love. Th- that's probably my favorite ghost of the movie. It's such a real looking ghost. It's such a great effect. The effects were done by Richard Edlund, who did oh, Star yes, Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark really? and Poltergeist. So these are top notch special effects, the best at the time, and they are all great. And for the library ghost, initially when it transformed, it was going to transform into something a little bit scarier even. And they ended up changing it for whatever reason, whether it was too scary or not. And he ended up using it later for Fright Night, which he did the effects for. Oh. The the photos of them making all of the stuff are incredible because there's hundreds of ghosts and tons of Stay Puffed heads and Slimer heads. I mean, it, it looks like, like you were saying, like Star Wars, like when you show, when they show the behind the scenes of Star Wars, it's incredible how much stuff they put into this. There's a picture of Sigourney Weaver looking at Slimer, and I think Slimer doesn't have any teeth or anything, but she looks so disgusted by him. <laughs> and I feel that because I don't enjoy looking at Slimer. Aww. I know. They made him very lovable in the cartoon. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. So what? Then what? Sorry. Then what scream. happens? So Egon. <laughs> 
Hey, hey. So Egon is talking about how they should be able to capture and keep ghosts. This pretty much like sets up what their whole situation is going to be, that they're going to collect the ghosts. And he's figured out a way. They, they go back to the university and um, the university is in the process of kicking them out of their space. And here's another one of my favorite lines when Ray says, Hey, Dean Yeager. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of your favorite lines. Yeah. I'm amazed by your favorite line so far. I got to say, I love it. I don't know what it was. For some reason, the way he said, hey, Dean Yeager. I could never understand what he was saying when I was a kid. Like, it almost sounded like he was singing a line from a song. I don't know what it was. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Hey, Dean Yeager. So they're in the process of kicking him out. And he breaks down to Vinkman why he's letting them all go. And pretty much no one is supporting what they're doing. They feel like they're a fraud. But he ends it with saying that he is a poor scientist. And that is what kind of gets Vinkman. And he goes, oh. (laughs) uh, Because everything else, he's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And then it just got to that. And he's like, "Mm." So the guys are now homeless, basically. And Vinkman ends up talking Ray into taking out a third mortgage so that they can find a place to still set up their own practice. Because they can't go to a corporation or anything like that. Because... At the university, they could do whatever they wanted. If they need to go somewhere else, they have to be able to produce results. And frankly, this is all still very theoretical. And so he knows that they'd be host. Well, yeah. So So this scene where Peter is talking to Ray, coming up with the idea of going into business for themselves and how they're going to do that. This is another one of my favorite um, just kind of talking scenes. I love when Peter says, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. (laughs) (laughs) And then I really like what Ray has to say about living in the real world. You've never been out of college. You don't know what it's like out there. I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. So they find this place. I assume it's the only place they've looked at. And it's a crumbling, dilapidated firehouse. Yay! Egon and Vinkman. Well, Egon doesn't really have an opinion on it. Vinkman is like, this is a shithole. But here's Ray. And Ray's in love with this pole that goes from the second story to the first. Asks if it still works, which I was like, why wouldn't a pole work? Hey, does this pole still work? doesn't wait for an answer exactly yeah Yeah, that's exactly it (laughs) what if it doesn't work it goes down it's not there anymore the pole in the real place really yeah that's the one thing i wanted to do when we got in there i was like i'm gonna slide down the pole does this pole still work it's not there (laughs) so um he falls in love with the place and so now they have a firehouse yeah and i love that where it actually kind of annoys me actually that that close-up that the real estate person has uh where she turns her head saying like look he wants it yeah well, she's right. I, I mean, know, she but right, though. hook and ladder twenty three, and then hook and ladder eight. Those are the two for the hook and ladder eight is here, and twenty three is there. Oh, yeah, good to know. So now we're in Manhattan or close to Central Park, and there's this really great shot looking down at the street from the vantage point of this gargoyle demony looking thing comes into play later on and we meet dana played by sigourney weaver and she is walking to her apartment and is stopped by her lovely neighbor lewis the best Rick yeah. she had She's just come from the market great. she has a bag of food yeah best. she does have a bag of that food that is true 
And he stops her in the hall and just tells her about everything and anything. But at the end of this conversation, tells her that she shouldn't play her TV too loud because the neighbors were complaining about it. And she's like, I didn't leave my TV on. And then I like as like she's going in. He's like, well, then I played my TV really loudly. So (laughs) do you know who was originally going to play Louis Tully? Mm -mm. John Candy. John Candy. But he wanted to play it as a German guy, very rough, you know, German guy. Oh, I think that would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that would have been right. Well, that's well, exactly that, what happened. They were like, that's not what we. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's why he left because they weren't taking any of his ideas for the character. Okay. While she's going into his, her apartment, he invites her to a party that he's going to have in a few nights. When she for gets his fourth anniversary. Yes, of as an accountant. An accountant. <laughs> <laughs> so when she gets into her apartment, there is a Ghostbusters ad that's playing on the TV, and it kind of catches her attention. But she immediately turns off the TV once we get to watch their entire very clunky and funny, awkward ad. We're ready to believe you. So that ad was a uh, promotional ad for the movie as well. They used that ad with a real phone number that you could call, and you'd get a recording of them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and apparently that was done after the release of the movie. They played the trailer in theaters to kind of gain more momentum to get people to keep watching it. Mm-hmm. So they'd play that commercial and then you would get, it's basically an answering machine you would get saying, uh, this is Vankman and Stans and we're not here, we're out busting goes. Yep. So we follow Dana into her kitchen and she's taking out all her groceries and she's put down uh, some eggs onto her counter next to a bag of State Puff marshmallows. Yes. Which I love that that was there. And this is the first time I've caught that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, all right. So I'll, I'll, I'll be honest because I let it go by. You know, the, the shot looking down, the first time that they looked down from the, the apartment looking uh-huh. down, it wasn't until last year that my friend was like, you know that that's superimposed. The dogs, the terror dogs are superimposed in that shot. Yeah. And it's once you've been told that, it is so obviously <laughs> badly done. And I was like, oh, I never knew that. Well, I was thinking about how tall that building is and how big the dogs are, but how not small the street, the street is yeah oh yeah it looks like it's done from like 10 stories yeah, up. yeah. that's i mean i saw that and i was like okay whatever well, it's all put together in pieces also you know dana's apartment you know we saw it in person it doesn't have that whole upper part that no. was, all, that was no. all a matte painting yeah so as the eggs start like kind of shaking and cooking essentially and well i mean very much cooking and they explode and so they start frying on her counter and she takes notice And behind her, you hear a growling, and she turns around and um, opens up her fridge. Which is the dumbest thing you can do when you hear a growl coming out of your fridge like that. Come on, a glowing. That's exactly it. I'd be like, I'd I'd peek in there. No way. Would you really? Probably. Like, what the hell is that? Robert's the person that runs up the stairs while I leave the building. (laughs) (laughs) So um, there's a vortex to another dimension (laughs) in her fridge. Yeah, it's pretty much what's happening. (laughs) Uh, We see a creature, and she freaks out and slams it i love that scene it's it's so good now we're back with the guys and they've fully purchased this building they're adding signage to it and And the the first sign is so bad oh it really is it really is the tiniest banner exactly it's like a four foot banner on the side of the building it's great and um the car shows up but it's all black you can't park here (laughs) (laughs) and we get introduced to janine who has really great banter with Egon. Oh, yeah. Um, when he emerges from under the desk, which is already super inappropriate for whatever's happening right. there. And, you know, she's flirting with him throughout this whole movie. <laughs> and there were, there was initially kind of a subplot 
of them yeah. being very flirtatious and sort of a thing going on, which they ended up dropping mostly except for her flirtation. But it is still kind of weird because of the sequel, she's with Louis Tully. done yeah. with him completely. Yeah, she's done with him yeah. completely. But the whole Janine Egon thing kind of got brought up again with the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were a thing. I don't know. When I was a kid, I never thought much of Janine. But seeing her as an adult, she's oh, very attractive. She's very attractive. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And I'd much like her look better in this one than the second one. Aw. <laughs> I love the evolution of Janine. Well, it's so true. funny because she just really embraces with that like red head. Well, she looks more like the cartoon in the sequel, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, she went from like nerd to like mod or not mod, but like, you know, modern. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, yeah. But yeah, I love her in both. Yeah. Um, and I, but her attitude has never changed. She's always been very true to herself. Oh God, yeah, she's a New Yorker through and through. Yeah, yeah. I just love how she's very much. She's spent her game, and he's having none of it. When she like asks him what his interests are or something, and he just talks about how he likes um, Molds, fungus, mold spores, and funguses. <laughs> Do you have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. So Dana arrives at the firehouse. And immediately Vinkman pops up because he hears this beautiful voice because <laughs> Sigourney Weaver is amazing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and he comes from his office and he jumps over this little ledge and you could see his foot tapping the top of it. He was an inch oh, yeah. from crashing oh, and breaking yeah. his face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which either way it would have worked because if he would have fell, it would have worked as Vinkman. Yeah, he would have recovered beautifully. Yeah. So she ends up telling him that there's pretty much this creature dimension in her fridge and that they talked about Zool. Um, and then when she mentions the fridge, he has a great line where he says, well, you don't really see that sort of behavior in a major appliance. <laughs> <line."> yeah. <laughs> and it's very clear that she is their first case. Yes. Thankman, again, he's hitting on her and ends up convincing her to let him go to her apartment. They get to her apartment and he has like this rod. Is this the scene where he has like the, the rod? sniffer? Yeah, yeah, um, which, which I is a was... real appliance. It is, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? It's a real thing. The sniffer was done for I, I can't remember if it was nuclear or something, but it was done for yeah. um, like spores or something, and it actually works. So my buddy Sean has one of the sniffers. I mean, it works as far as it makes the sniffery noise, and uh-huh. you know, you do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. it's not oh. it's not meant for paranormal hunting or anything. But yeah, it's a real instrument. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was funny. I thought it was just like a transistor radio that then they put like a, you know, like a blood pressure yeah. little thingy yeah. on it. And then he just had an antenna. I didn't know it was a real. Yeah. I've always liked that one. But my favorite part of this scene is when he uh, goes to the piano, plays the keys. <laughs> He's like, Heck I yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've done that when oh, I see a piano. I do it every time. I did it on the Queen Mary and they got really <laughs> mad at me. I hate this. Like to torture him. She ends up pointing out that he's more of a game show host than a scientist, which I think is a very accurate oh, representation. Oh, totally, it is. And also, like, you know, he ends up being a talk show host in the sequel. That's true, which yep. is pretty close to a game show. Host. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> um, so they go to her kitchen. He checks out every other place in her apartment, though, and like he goes into her bedroom, and she's like, "Nothing happened in there." <laughs> and then finally goes into the kitchen, and we see the cooked eggs on her counter. A much more clear shot of the state puff marshmallows that's very true and he opens up the fridge everything in there is fine he starts perusing around even makes like some faces after opening Wait, some he's stuff. shocked by all the junk, junk food, food yeah. and i always loved that he pulls out a package of oscar meyer bologna or a uh, salami 
Bologna. Bologna. <laughs> Come on. Bologna. So this banter back and forth ends up upsetting Dana anyway, and she throws him out of the apartment, tells him to leave. But of course, there's still more, more banter. And he decides that he's going to prove himself to her and um, say that he can help her and figure this out. Back at the firehouse, they get their first call. Um, Before they do that, they're mm-hmm. having dinner. And they're eating Chinese food. That's true. Mm-hmm. That Chinese food always looked so good to me. It's, and, oh my God, yeah. I know. I've always, because I've always loved eating Chinese food out of the boxes. Little boxes, yeah, yeah. And I've never really gotten to do it because every time I get Chinese food, it's usually not in that style box. Like sometimes the rice will come in that. Sure. But I want everything to be in that. Oh, I want to eat there. like the Ghostbusters. And that was one of the things when we went to New York, I kind of wanted to try some Chinese food. But I'm not a huge Chinese fan, but I wanted to because of things like Ghostbusters. Oh, no, no. That's every time that, you know, that's exactly how I want to eat it. Little white boxes, with chopsticks, even though I'm terrible at chopsticks. And what's funny is if you look behind them, he's like, oh, you know, it's the last of our money. You got to eat slower. Yeah. Um, but they've got like four video game systems. I mean, they spent thousands of money on video games. Well, thousands of money. Thousands of dollars on video games. <laughs> So when they get their real call, you get the start with that great scene of Janine getting the call. Yes, and she stands up and she hits the little buzzer. The light goes off. We got one! They go clumsily down. Actually, they expertly go down the I was going to say, he's holding the Chinese food. That is pro style. <laughs> yeah, and, and Peter does it very smoothly. He like just doesn't care. <laughs> he's smooth throughout this entire movie. But yeah, I just love Dan Aykroyd's overacting of like oh, yeah. being kind of zany and getting <laughs> like to Like slipping his... back. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Egon just looks scared going down. <laughs> but then... <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, going back to the phone call, she reassures them that they will be very discreet yes. and they're very professional. And they come out in the Ecto-1, si- <laughs> sirens wailing, going down, just blazing down the street. The best car. It's One so of the best good. movie cars ever. I, really I actually good. think this is my favorite vehicle in movie history. It's Rightfully great. so. I, I can't think of another one I like more. I mean, the DeLorean comes close. That's exactly it. It would be the DeLorean, the Batmobile, and that. And Ecto-1, I think, is my favorite, most favorite one. Yeah, and It's I even, fun. I even like it in its original condition when it's all black. Oh, it's yeah. It's even neat that way. But, yeah, I love the Ecto-1. I even like it in Ghostbusters 2 when they plus it a little bit. Not as much as in the one here. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, do you think that in Ghostbusters 2 they just added to the Ecto-1 to make the Ecto-1A? Because that was always my impression. That was my impression as well. But it's not true. They just bought a second one? They're, second, they're two, car, two separate cars. Oh. Really? Yep. Yep. So in case they need to do two separate, go to two separate locations? No, or? no. They, they retired the first car because you know how it was kind of getting all beat up and uh-huh. stuff in Ghostbusters 2. So they kind of parked it in... A place that we're probably going to end up seeing someday. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, 1959 Cadillac Miller Meteor hearse, and there's not a lot of them. And I'm lucky enough to be friends with somebody who owns a replica. Actually, anytime you ever see the Ecto One moving in like commercials or promotions nowadays, that is my buddy Sean's Ecto One, like the Walmart commercial and all of that. That is his Ecto One, and it is 
one of the best feelings in the world to be riding in the Ecto-1 in a flight suit with the Ghostbuster stuff going on and lights <laughs> and everything. It is incredible. That's awesome. Now, since we're talking about the Ecto-1, you know, I really love the way it's even rendered in the real Ghostbusters. Yes. I love the toy. It's, it's one of my favorite toys of all time. But I wanted to know, how do you feel about the Ecto-1 in... 2016 Ghostbusters. I don't think he saw the movie. I don't think we should bring that movie up at all. <laughs> but you didn't see even how it looked. Uh, well, yeah, I guess I can answer that. Yeah, um, I did. I did not like it. The the obviously in '84, a '59 Cadillac Miller Meteor is you know whatever you do the math um, years old, but it was a classic. In the 2016 movie, it's just an '80s hearse, so there's no <laughs> style to mm, it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I liked about this 2016 Ecto-1 was the hood ornament. I was about to say that, exactly. The yeah. hood ornament's great. Yes. What was the, the hood little ornament? ghost. The little ghost going, oh. at, you know, going out. It's gotcha. really good. Well, um, that's the only thing I liked about it. Yeah, I agree with all the all that. Because uh, in this, I'm sorry, no, because in, in, in this Ghostbusters, it's done up. They've built it all. It's, it's complete. Like, you saw what the car looked like, and then what they did with it, and it is a member of the team, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's his own entity, which you don't get in the 2016. Now, did you ever see what the original Ecto-1 was going to look like? Mm-mm. I don't remember. It's really messed up. It looks like a checkered cab, half limousine thing that, like, Dan Aykroyd drew on a, like, cocktail napkin kind of a thing. It looks nothing like it. He wanted it to be black with purple lights under it. I mean, it's a completely different Ecto-1. That sounds almost like a bizarro version of it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It really is, yeah. Well, I'm surprised. Uh, That would have been interesting. I wonder if they ever threw it into the cartoon or anything. They should have, if not. Yeah, no, I don't believe they did. Uh, So, yeah, so we got our introduction to the Ecto-1. And they go to Hotel, is it Sedgwick? The Sedgwick Hotel, yeah. Named after Kira Sedgwick. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Which is really really the Biltmore Hotel in downtown L.A. Oh. So they show up in full uniform, and they are being directed to the 12th floor. The concierge brings up that they want this handled tonight. They want it handled discreetly. And that a couple people have seen whatever the hell is happening up on that floor. So they head up to the 12th floor. Well, um, they first meet a guy at the <laughs> at the elevator that says, like, you know, what are you guys? Cosmonauts? cosmonauts? <laughs> What's a cosmonaut, first of all? Russian? It's a Russian astronaut. Russian astronaut? Yeah. Okay. And then they say they're exterminators. And he's like, it must be some bug. But then when they're in the elevator... I love when they're talking about how they basically have a nuclear... Unlicensed nuclear accelerator on their backs. Right. Yeah. I love that. And then one of my favorite sounds in the world when they power up their proton Heck yeah. I love when they power up. They only power up Ray's. They hear it and they just kind of separate. And you can see the dread on his face. Like, what am I wearing? You know, I just caught that for the first time. (laughs) Because the way that it is portrayed and supposed to be is they turn on the proton pack and they're kind of freaking out, you know, maybe it'll explode. Let's back up. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that Egon was just trying to turn his on by himself that he couldn't reach. So he's trying to lean up against the wall to get the button. (laughs) Interesting. I do like, though, that when they leave the elevator, Ray walks behind Egon and just flips his really quickly. Yep. Um, Because I was like, well, when do they turn on the other one? But it's right there on the wand. I mean, you can turn it on any time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they're flipping is the the wand, the little switch on the wand itself. Oh. And speaking of wands... The original design for a proton pack was going to be more 
Like a wand. It really was. Like a magician's wand. Yeah. The neutrino wand, that's why they came up with the term neutrino wand, because it literally looked like a wand, but they thought that it wasn't sci-fi enough. It wasn't put together enough. They wanted to look like everybody built, like they built these things themselves. Uh So that's why they went from that to something that you could find somewhere and kind of cobble together yourself. Okay. So what did they use to make the Roton Packs? They went to a place in um, Sun Valley. It's still there to this day. There used to be, a couple of years ago, when I built my Proton Pack, I went to the exact same place. And I found the exact same parts, but those are all gone now. But what, um, but what type of parts are they? So, uh, oh, I'll tell you. Yeah, the, so the actual uh, proton pack itself, the, the four lights that you see, there's actually technically three lights. They added a fourth. That's why one is off center a little bit. It is a radar tracking. It's a, I believe, U.S. Navy radar tracking piece. Hmm. And then from there, they started putting on all of this, you know, bobs and bills. Basically, so it's got, it's got a clippered valve. It's got two different clippered valves, and those are used. Basically, everything they got, like I said, it was from this one place. It was an industrial place. It's a 70s washer and dryer parts, like for like industrial stuff. But it was all industrial pieces. And you can actually see, like you can see the heat sinks, the heat sinks itself. And the ribbon cable is the only thing that we don't know where the ribbon cable came from hmm. no one has ever been able to find legit ribbon cable in gb1 and gb2 the ribbon cable looks like a regular it's like it's like a computer ribbon cable you can find spools of to this day uh-huh. but nobody knows where the ribbon cable came from in the first one and then where the wand actually attaches to the proton pack was a in the 70s they had these dixie cup dispensers that you uh-huh. screwed up on your kitchen? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, it's there's that. one in the bathroom at my parents. Yeah. Oh, no. That <laughs> is, that's now. what you clip on. Yeah, it's, it's what they used. Um, but you can find, like, when you when you walk through there, you can find the same knobs, you can find the same elbows, the uh, L brackets, everything. And it's all just sitting there in little piles. And you, you could tell they could just walk up and grab four of those, walked up, grab four of those. And then what they did was they, they molded the first one. And then every one of them was based off of that first mold. Um, I was lucky enough to be part of the team for a Novos to do the Spengler Legacy Pack. So we actually had Harold Ramis's Ghostbusters 1 pack right there. That was we this the original for. or a molded one? No, it's original. Oh wow! So the original one. This is one that they built from pieces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the actual the 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 shell is what they call it. The shell. All of the shells in the movie were molds that it was you know cast i should say cast off of one mold right uh-huh. so they all had the same like unique like scratches and thumbprints and you can see all of this stuff spill in there to this yeah. day but um all the original pieces yeah they were, all had the same they bought four of these four of these four of these and they made them and so we actually got to take apart and museum quality disassemble mold it all reassemble Put it, and they had they had a very strict contract. We had to reassemble it exactly how we found it. We couldn't add anything. We couldn't correct anything. Everything that's happened to that pack since the '80s, Planet Hollywood, everything, because Planet Hollywood added its own power pack so they could hang it on the wall and have it, you know, the cyclotron lights oh, go. Uh huh. Everything had to go back exactly how it was. But when we took it apart, we realized how over-engineered these things were. And how heavy. They were like 50 pounds. Oh, wow. In fact... Did they have stunt packs, though? That's exactly what I was going to say. So, in fact, Bill Murray did not like wearing his real one. So, he wore a stunt pack more times than that. And they had a couple of different stunt packs. One of the stunt packs was like a foam rubber stump pack. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when they show him lying on the ground after he gets slimed in a uh-huh. minute... That's the stunt pack, because you can't, we found out since, you can't lay on your proton pack like that without it <laughs> destroying it, basically. Oh, yeah. gosh. Okay. But yeah, the proton packs are absolutely incredible to see up close and real, like the real one. 
but I don't know what you know who decided on the sounds and the lights and all that, but whoever did was perfect. Well, back to uh, <laughs> our so story. They get out of the elevator and they're walking uh-huh. around just kind of hunting for this ghost, but in almost like an Elmer Fudd, like kind of oh, creeping yeah. way. <laughs> and this maid is coming through with this giant cart and she surprises them. They turn around and just immediately blast this woman with their proton packs which they have not tested previous no. to this so nope. this is the first it was time the initial test it. of them yeah and they completely destroy <laughs> <laughs> i do too <laughs> they totally destroy her cart um what the hell are you doing <laughs> the best reading of a line in that movie it's so perfect the hell are you doing? And so second best after Hey Dean Yeager. <laughs> well, that's true. Apparently, <laughs> that's the best. Hey Dean Yeager. So from here, they decide that they're they're better off splitting up to go find this ghost. They can do more damage that way. Yes, which I love that because they certainly can. So Ray comes up on this ghost, which we end up calling Slimer at some point. Yep. When does he get this name? In well, the cartoon. It, yeah, in the movie, they called him Onion Head. Um, because he supposedly the, the the ghost itself was supposedly so smelly, it smelled like onions. Um, he's based off of John Belushi. It was it's a little homage to John Belushi, um, but they really didn't call him Slimer, except okay. for the fact that he slimed him. I think that's where yeah. it kind of came from. Yeah. Well, they don't actually call him Onion Head in the movie. But, no, 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 no. But, but in the script, in they the had script, it, yeah. they had it written as Onion Head. Uh, I like that he calls him a disgusting blob. Disgusting blob. And he's just there just shoving his face with all this food, which I find it funny that he's able to pick up food, yeah. but, but it, it goes, goes right, right through. through. I, know, I love that. <laughs> but they call him a spud. Ray yeah. calls him a spud. Do you and know then, why they call him a spud? Because it looks like a potato. potato they actually used a potato in one of the scenes. They used a potato and they use a peanut. They painted in both green for the special effects parts oh, of nice. it. <laughs> <laughs> like on a stick? Yeah. Well, like on the, like a green screen kind of a thing. There's a little peanut one where you're zipping by, and there's potato one as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed, which I never really paid attention to before, but later when he's zooming around the chandelier, how they added the motion blur. The blur, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that. But I was, what I was going to say is later when they're showing Winston the containment system he mentions uh, slimers oh. plural like not that one in particular yeah. but you know they get their different types of ghosts some being slimers yeah okay so he decides that he's gonna talk to him but he's just like not really responding and eventually this little blob just like takes off in an opposite direction and goes through a wall through the wall yeah, yeah. and i love how the wall like bends in yep <laughs> like it's, oh it's great it's like the cheapest looking wall <laughs> So he initially calls for Vinkman or someone else, and no one responds. But now we're with Vinkman, and Vinkman comes upon this ghost again, and he actually radios for other people, which I thought was really yeah. funny that Ray initially was just like, I'm going to yell for other people, and Vinkman is like, we have radios. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look closely, it's a it's quick before they cut, but I like when Slimer, or yeah, I'm just going to call him Slimer, he turns the corner and he sees Peter, and he just stops, and his arms go down like this, just like how Peter is. Straight like he's, down? Yeah, just like he's kind of in shock, like, whoa, what's this? <laughs> I like that. And he gets charged by the ghost and ends up getting slimed. Getting slimed. He slimed me. And he gets a call from Egon that he has found something in the ballroom. Which always bothered me in the movie I because know. they were on the 12th floor. How did Egon get down to the ballroom? Why did he, yeah, why yeah. did he go down there? Well, because we just saw him inspecting and he touched that old man yeah, to see yeah. if he's a ghost. Mm-hmm. So you know he's not down there yet. Yeah. But yeah. I guess more time passed than they 
made it. They seem. lead on, yeah, but yes. but still. So Slimer went from the twelfth floor straight down to the ballroom, and Egon went after him. It's I a guess. weird timeline. It was, yeah. yeah, but my fa- one of my favorite lines also is when they do radio Egon. You know, Ray says Peter got slimed, and he's like, "Great, like, save, save me, Slimer." Yep, <laughs> so good. I'm with Bankman. Oh. He got slimed. That's great, Ray. Save some for me. So they all meet in the ballroom and they get, they lock themselves in there from the concierge. They're like, don't worry, we got this. And Slimer is circling a chandelier, a very expensive looking chandelier. Yes. And they shoot at him and they murder this chandelier. (laughs) (laughs) And it falls, but good thing the table was there to break its fall. (laughs) (laughs) And this is when we find out that you cannot cross the streams. Yes. Which, Which they added. Oh, really? Oh, because then... Yep. Because it plays off in the end. Yep. Because they didn't know how to end it. Ah. So they end up destroying this ballroom, trying to get Slimer. Peter says, I've always wanted to do this. Oh, (laughs) the flowers are still standing. (laughs) Well, I love that, like... They're shooting at things, and they cut to the concierge standing outside, trying to act like everything's fine, but it just sounds horrible on the outside. And then he's talking to the woman whose party they're destroying, which they go across like two walls full of food, and there's a beautiful cake oh, yeah. that just explodes yeah. um, when the stream <laughs> hits it. But she, he's like, they're leaving everything okay. Your it'll your party will be fine. It'll start when your guests get here. But they doesn't it look like a wedding anything. cake? It does. That's what I thought it was. But yeah. Because it, it, it was a tiered cake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The whole thing is like beautiful then it cuts immediately to them just throwing a table across the room (laughs) (laughs) and so they set up the trap and now we have this teamwork of getting slimer and ray sets down the trap they're all yelling things at each other like move this way whatever don't look at the trap egon immediately like i looked at the trap (laughs) 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 and um they're able to capture slimer yep and I got really happy for them, and yeah. they're just so happy because now they caught this, their first ghost. This scene plays out really well. The way it's edited, the music, the effects, it's just uh, its just like perfectly paced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's thing. a perfectly paced action scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's done so well, and I love when they, they're breaking down how much it's going to cost, and they're just flying. They're like, how much money can we get out of this guy? Oh, that's where they keep looking over, and he's doing the hand <laughs> gestures? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like... The concierge is like, I'm not going to pay that. They're like, okay, we'll just $5, put it back. $5,000? I had no idea it would be that much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then he's like, anything. I'll give you anything. And so now they've captured their first ghost, and immediately they make the news. And I believe this is our first montage. Yes, it is. I love montages. <laughs> it's a great, a great montage. It's it really, really good. So this montage, you know, they're running around the town. It's centered on them, but also on Dana observing their uh-huh. success yep. and knowing that they can actually help her. And she's enamored by them. I like when she's in her kitchen and she's laughing yeah. at what they're saying and she finds them, finds them to be charming. This is what yeah. confused me for like the longest time because they said the boys in gray, but they wear tan uniforms. And it always bothered me why they say the boys in gray. And this is also the first time, oh, you probably are going to say who's in the montage. I'll wait for you. Yeah. Oh, I said Larry King is in the oh, montage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the first time that Larry King ever did a 
bit part in a movie. Really? Yeah. Yep. Hi, this is Larry King. The phone in topic today, ghosts and ghost busting. The controversy builds, more sightings are reported. Some maintain that these professional paranormal eliminators in New York are the cause of it all. And then later we meet Casey Kasem. That's right. I know. And, the countdown. and later in the movie, like, his wife appears. Casey Kasem's wife? Yeah, she plays the tall lady that Louis Tully dances yes. with. Yep. That's not the one that like carried his dead yes, body yes, across. Yes, it is. <gasps> yeah. Yes, it is. No. Yep. Uh, uh, on that, another note. Oh, yeah. she, was the, she was the best in Cheers, though. <laughs> yeah, this montage, you know, it shows their success. I love seeing all the magazine covers that they get on and mm-hmm. stuff. Real quick, though, the magazine covers. Yeah. What I think it's the newspaper one from the montage. Uh-huh is a shot from them at the very end of the movie when they're shooting <laughs> Stay Puff. And it always bothered me because like, I was like, but that's the scene because they, they used it yeah. in the promos as well. And I was like, but how did they get that at that time? I always, <laughs> they always do that in movies. This scene was the first thing to be shot and they didn't have permits for lots of the places oh, yeah. they were running around carrying the ghost traps. Really? And, yeah, no, it was really guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. And if you oh. look very closely, there's a security guard chasing them around. <sighs> That was the rumor. I looked to see what I, I, say, if I, could, I don't know this. I looked to see if I could find it. And there is one point where it looks like someone might be chasing them, but it looks like I don't think that's the case. It seems more like there's one point where police or security is kind of escorting them. Yeah. I think that might be what they're getting that fact confused with. But huh. who knows? In this montage, you know, we end it with the ghost that undoes Ray's belt. Yes. That's a dream. Yes. It's a dream, but it was actually a deleted scene. That's correct. Notice the outfit that he's wearing. Oh, I noticed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never really noticed that watching it as a kid, that he's wearing sort of a, what is it, like a colonel? It's Yeah. It's an, yeah. They go to a fort in the, well, in the script, in one of the deleted scenes, they went to a fort. And he decides to just put this thing on, and then that scene happens, and it happens way longer than what we see. It's a very snippet part of it. But it was a weird paced scene, and it kind of stopped the action. Mm. So they pulled it, and then they had all this extra footage that they threw it into the montage. It's really funny, because he's wearing whatever clothing that matches the period of the ghost, but he's also still wearing his actual yeah, suit. Yeah, he's got the black t-shirt on and the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he, his yeah. suit is on, so he's wearing two pairs of pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is also really weird, because underneath a flight suit, I mean, they're hot, hot enough. But yeah, they, they, and they, so that was a mannequin, and they had a whole, like, wires and things so they could undo the belt and undo the zipper and everything, and it was like a really intense scene including like her floating and everything. She was a Playboy centerfold or Playboy playmate. Oh, wow. Um, And then the guys, when they were, you know, because they had to do a a plaster cast of her to get her to float, the guys were afraid to touch her. And she was like, just do it. And they said it was like the best day on set when they were, or not on set, but when they were making the stuff. (laughs) Apparently the guy who was doing the cast of her, she eventually just like grabbed his hands and put his hands on her. Yep. Say, get over it. It's fine. (laughs) Well, I guess I'm just happy to hear that they're being very respectful. Well, they're being very respectful, yeah. And she's oh, like, yeah. this oh, is yeah. just a job, guys. Let's do this. So we meet Winston, who is just answering a job ad. and Perfect timing. Let me ask you this question, because I hate this question. Is Winston a ghostbuster? Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are many people, and even in some promos to this day, that do not consider him one of the Ghostbusters. The three men are the Ghostbusters because he's just a hired hand, like you just said. He's just there for a job, and he's not a Ghostbuster. And that angers me to no end because I think he is a Ghostbuster. He is is definitely a Ghostbuster. One mistake was the 2016 one, the trailer, 
when it said for scientists because he is not yeah, a scientist. He's not a scientist. Mm. But he is a Ghostbuster. Yeah. I like that he brings in he brings in a different dynamic to the team. He makes them kind of take a step back. And he sometimes is very much the voice of reason. Oh, yeah. That's like, hey, guys, let's, you know. So, yeah, no, he's 100% a, ghost, a I Ghostbuster. I think so, too. Uh, let me ask you this. Yes. By the end of the second movie, is Lewis a Ghostbuster? No. Okay. <laughs> no. As much as I want Lewis to be a Ghostbuster, no. <laughs> well, we don't know what happens to the third one. Maybe they gave him that job. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so he answers this and is immediately hired. They He just talks to them. And they're like hired, immediately goes to work. And Ray ends up taking him downstairs to go show him some stuff. Meanwhile, Vinkman is waiting for Dana outside of the concert hall that she's practicing in. And it's a very cute little scene of them skirting around. They make a date, but they're being very playful about it. But it's all thinly veiled by work. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But it's, it's not. That is a will they, won't they immediately. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that stiff that's standing there watching. <laughs> oh, man. When he like does that little nasal spray thing. Yep. So good. <laughs> so uh, he comes with information on Zool. And yeah, they end up making a date. So back at the fire station, a gentleman named Peck, Peck not Pecker, Peck um, <laughs> shows up from the EPA, Walter Peck. And he uh, wants to know what the environmental impact, I don't know, he's just a dick. He just shows up and he's yes, like, he we want to know what kind of environmental impact. He's um, like the Toby of the government. This- <laughs> <laughs> he totally is the Toby he of the really government. He really is. Even the mayor's like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, he wants to know where the ghosts are being stored, if they're disposing of hazardous waste, which seems like such a, just like grasping at straws, like, come on. And he wants to know what's up. Vinkman is like, no, come back with the warrant. Like, you're not going to get in here. There's no reason you need to be in here. So the guy threatens him and leaves. But meanwhile, down at the ghost grid storage area, Egon makes a comment that he's very much worried about where they're storing all of these ghosts. Like, they only have so much capacity for this. Like, he knows that something very bad can happen if this is ever compromised. Yeah, and it's escalating. Yes. So So here, Egon does the whole uh, Twinkie theory. Yes. Yes, a giant Twinkie. And the Twinkies in the 80s tasted delicious. Oh, yeah, they did. It did. And Twinkies now taste horrible. Well, yeah. I haven't had a Twinkie in a long time, but it's not the same. It's not the same. But looking at that Twinkie, Mm. I instantly got the taste in my mouth. That's a big Twinkie. So now we're at Dana's apartment again, and we're we see these gargoyles that we saw at the beginning of the movie, but more face forward. Yes, straight up, head on. Yes, (laughs) and the statue starts to crumble at the feet and like creature and so some, it's some real toes come out yeah, yeah it's terror uh, dog it's creepy toes. Yeah. and the um is that what it's called a terror dog yeah terror dog and then the uh eye breaks open and you see the glowing eyes yes yep. so good dana is walking through a hallway and she's trying to even though there's a party <laughs> this loud party she's creeping by yep. this door Tickling. and here comes lewis <laughs> just, just running waiting out. for her. <laughs> i love that every Which, time she can't get home without him stopping <laughs> Earlier on, when Vinkman was over and he left, he walked out and Lewis thought that she had walked out and he walked out to look and he keeps locking. The gag is that he locks himself out of his house every time. Which is very funny because I never really caught on until recently that he becomes the key master, yet he's always locking himself out. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So brilliant. (laughs) 
So um, Lewis comes running out of his party, and the party does sound really great. People sound like they're, they're I mean, later on we find out that people are not having. I was going to say, it sounds great. <laughs> She's like, I have a date tonight. I kind of forgot, and his heart kind of breaks. But he's like, bring your friend, which is messed up because. As you just said a minute ago, he already has a girlfriend or a date at that party, yet he's heartbroken that Dana has a date. But is that his date or just uh, a client that came? No, it seems like... Because he's, no, she's definitely not a client because he talks to, you know, he's introducing all the clients. It seems like she's his date. I always thought that, like, yeah, she was his date. They danced together. They did dance. (laughs) (laughs) So um, he's like, bring your date to the party. So she goes home and is on the phone with her mom. And as she's talking to her mom, she's disrobing. Um, And I guess she was wearing like jazzercise. The whole thing was very, I'm like, why are her socks go all the way up? (laughs) Don't don't worry about it. That's her exercise clothes. Don't don't, don't you worry about it. It was fantastic. (laughs) But um, she sits down on her little couch. And meanwhile, something is happening in her kitchen. It's glowing. And these this hands... Shot, this shot of the glowing kitchen through the door was inspired by Close Encounters. Yeah, that oh, makes sense. Really. Hands shoot out of her couch, hold her down, and then rocket her into the <laughs> into this uh, yeah. kitchen. Now that you know that that happens, can you see the line that it, it zips down like the on the ground? I wasn't really looking. I wasn't really looking, but they have that runner in, it, in the couch. Oh, and it got caught. Yeah. Yeah. But there's actually a line, there's like a line in the tile that is so, again, so obvious once you get pointed out to. And I was like, oh, wow, it's really there. It looks like a track from like a Disneyland ride. I have to look. I was reading a little bit about that, though, recently, that many of the effects aren't actually complete where things like wires or lines like that are still in it, that they were meant to take them out, but they wanted to get the movie released at a certain point. They had to, because that was part of the, that was part of the agreement for them to sell the movie Ivan Reitman to sell the movie, he sold it on like basically a deal saying, yes, but we'll get it out for you and this date, which was way too quick, way too fast. They just kind of just rushed through the whole thing. Yeah. Huh. Which is amazing because the movie looks fantastic. Yeah, for a considering. Movie. Yeah. yeah, totally. But some stuff, I think, in the initial script was deleted because of that reason. Yo, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see the original, original script, the Dan Aykroyd script? I've never read it. No. It's like a telephone book. It is the <laughs> thickest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. I think Ivan Reitman said if they were to film that one, it would have cost over $300 million yeah. to make back then. Holy it was 12. <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a, like a group of 12 Ghostbusters fighting ghosts inter- interdimensionally in space i mean it's it's way too much stuff it was ridiculous yeah. oh wow well the whole thing in that initial script was that it was going to be about ghostbuster groups around the nation mm-hmm. not mm. just in new york oh so like when buffy awakens other slayers <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of other ghostbusters so yeah so she gets dragged into the kitchen and then we get the shot of the rooftop where these gargoyles, or what'd you call them? Terror dogs. Terror dogs? Terror. Terror? terror dogs. Like yeah. Tower of yeah. Terror. Yeah. Yes. Terror dogs. Like, yeah, exactly. Tower <laughs> of Terror dogs. <laughs> They're both gone. One of them is in the kitchen. Where's the other one? The other one is... Now we cut to Lewis's party. Yes. <laughs> the best scene ever. And yeah. Lewis has... His party's kind of dragging. I love how he's pointing out all of the money that he saved purchasing food, I purchasing know. pain medication. Yeah, acetaminophen. He, most of that is uh, improv by him, by Rick Moranis. Oh, it's so good. And as a kid, I had no idea what he was saying about anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't get... Why is he talking about how much money he's saving? Like, what's the point of this? But it's hilarious. I love 
love it. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. So good. And one of my favorite things is I really like the bust he has in his apartment of John F. Kennedy. Don't really? <laughs> oh, I gotta go back and look for that. So he has some guests arrive and he takes their coats, introduces them to the party, and um, he opens the door to his bedroom where this terror dog is sitting on the bed and he just throws the coats on it. It growls at him. He turns around, and closes the door, and then makes a comment like, all right, guys, who brought, who the, brought dog? the dog? Who brought the dog? Yeah. Okay, who brought the dog? And then it busts out of his bedroom and Lewis straight up leaves his party and closes the <laughs> yep, door behind abandons him. Abandons everybody. <laughs> Goes down the elevator, runs out of his building, and is followed by this dog. Yes. So he runs into... He says it's a bear. <laughs> yes, he runs saying that there's a bear, which I love that every time anyone recounts it... Oh, yeah. It's Some guy like... brought a cougar to the party. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> he runs into Central Park. This is um, where a cut scene happened as well, a deleted scene. Yeah. That the deleted scene would have been amazing where... Uh, I don't think I would have liked this. Oh, it was what? so good. Where Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray were homeless people. Oh, we yeah. want... Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the thing is, they're not supposed to be Peter or Ray. No. No, they're just... No, home- no, no, no. Yeah. They're just homeless people. But they cut it out because it, it would just be too confusing. I don't think it would have because this is something that they did in the 80s a That's lot. That's what I was going to say. That's this true. is a That's very true. common thing yeah, back then. Yeah, I would have been like, okay, yeah, you totally get that they're home. They speak differently. They might have the same face. Yeah. But I mean, the whole premise of coming to America is <laughs> like... I feel like they would have had to do it one more time, though, to make it make sense. If I don't they were going to go so. that way. I don't know. I, this is to very me, it sounds 80s. confusing. It's typical 80s yeah. movie it's trope. A classic 80s. Where, yeah. yeah, a comedian usually will play one throwaway character, one scene, that's it. Yep. <laughs> it's perfect. It should have been Lewis. It should have been Rick Moranis playing the bum. That would have been cool. I would have been fine <laughs> with that too. Hilarious. I love that he runs up to this restaurant, is banging on the door and outside it again sounds like he's, a locked, out. he's <laughs> yes. locked out he's locked out he cannot get in he even tried he actually tries the door yeah. everyone's kind of staring at him but then they go back to not yeah um he gets and attacked then... by the dog it slides down <laughs> and then they just look away to do the conversation and that was supposed to they were supposed to add the dog to that scene but again because of the rushing they never added the effect of the dog to that scene but you don't need it it no. works perfectly mm-hmm. without it yeah they just do a close-up of him before he yeah falls. yeah but I feel so bad for Lewis Tully. Like, no one pays him any mind. No one cares about him. Till the second movie. And yeah. then yeah. he that, becomes... Then he becomes a hero. Yeah. He saved New York from that giant jello mold. <laughs> <laughs> or so he thinks. So <laughs> In um, his mind, yeah. Vinkman now arrives for his date with Dana at her house. Dana opens the door. And she is just... Hot. Looks amazing. Just hot. <laughs> No, this is another thing. When I was a kid, you know, obviously when you're a kid, you know, you're not really thinking about girls. So I didn't really pay much mind to her. Kurt's like, what? But now, oh I don't my know what God. what you're talking about. She was so hot. Yeah, but you were 14 when you first saw it. That's right. I was like two. <laughs> all right, I'll give you that one. But I love how she opens the door. She has all this like Beyonce wind on her and she's just like, are you the key master? He's like, nope. Closes the door. Then he knocks again. She I like opens. how, no, he looks through the peephole real quick. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's the best. And 
and he answers yes this time and is able to go into the apartment. When someone asks you if you're the key master, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which will lead me to a question. I another question I have for you in a moment, but continue. She talks about how she's Zul the gatekeeper. And she's like kissing him, making out, and mm-hmm. wants to go further. And he's being very fighting it, but he's like, no, 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 let me yeah. talk to Dana. I, you're possessed. This cannot happen while you're possessed. So, you know, when she says, it's coming up in a second, there is no Dana, there's only Zool. Mm-hmm. Do you know who did that voice? There is no Dana, only Zool. Ivan Reitman. It is Ivan Reitman. Really? And he, yeah. and he also did uh, some Slimer voices. He did. Too. Yeah. That's very good. Not many people know that. I like that he tells her that he likes, is it her, like her singing voice? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What a beautiful singing voice. All right, so here, this leads me to my question. So he's going on a date with Dana. I know what your question's going to be. Yeah. Why does he have 10 cc's of Thorazine or whatever it is? I was wondering the same thing. Why is he bringing that on a date? There's been a lot of speculation about that because that is the date rape drug, basically. Yeah. But at this time in the 80s, I don't think it was known as that. No, uh, I mean, people are saying, you know, he's a scientist. He could have it for other reasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. He doesn't have his Damn. proton pack on him. He's just got that, which is really weird. Yeah. But, you know, just like Egon disappearing, going places, it cuts away. Maybe he went out, got some Thorazine and came back. Well, yeah. In the 80s, it was on every street corner. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, that is all. I don't like that. I'm going to pretend you guys didn't say any of that. (laughs) I'm going to think that he just happened to have it because he's a scientist. Uh I don't think it was planned that he was going to date rape her. No, I don't think he was going to date rape her. But why would he have it otherwise? Was he going to, after the date, go home and shoot himself up with it? Like, there is no logical reason to have that on him. Yeah, but I don't think the, the writers thought about that. Mm -hmm. Do you think they did? I don't know. It always (laughs) bothered me. So now we find Lewis running around all crazy and he's talks to a horse. (laughs) He tells them they're all going to like perish or something. Yeah. Um, And then they're like pretty much like that guy was a dick. He gets picked up by the police and the police take him to the firehouse where Egon takes him in to study. They are saying that he's talking about being the, the key master when he went yeah when he, Sorry, when he scans I, him with the pke meter and he's like oh yeah he, yeah he's the key master and he goes by the name vince clortho clortho what did you say your name was vince clortho key master of gozer there's so much <laughs> in this movie this scene and then later in the jail scene there's so much backstory that is really interesting yeah but it's just so hard to keep track of oh yeah when you're watching that. and it's not essential that's the good part of it yeah. you can go on a surface level or you can really dig deep to mm-hmm. find out everything that he talks about yeah so egon takes him in to study him Meanwhile, now we're back with Vinkman and Zool, and he has sedated Zool. She's breathing like an animal that's been sedated. Yep, I love it. (laughs) And so he calls the guys back at the station, and they mention that they have the key master. And he's like, well, we should get them together. And Egon's like, we should not do yeah, that Yeah, worst all. plan ever. <laughs> I want to mention real quick, when they bring Lewis Tully into the firehouse and they're doing their experiments on him and he's wearing that headgear, mm-hmm. it's such a great shot or moment when, because you remember earlier when Sigourney Weaver was in there, they had that television screen projecting her face yep. it's reading her face uh-huh. and then when they do it to lewis the face that it's reading is the terror dog yep oh 
so yeah. like he's, perfect. He's moving. He's his moving head his to the head. left. And yeah. The terror dog's moving with it at the same time. Yeah, it's I did not catch that oh, at it's all. It's the best. Yeah, it, it's so subtle, but it's really creepy. Oh man. Okay, I have to watch out next time. So now we cut to Ray and Winston in a car, and they are driving back towards the station. And Winston brings up a really great idea, or not a great idea, actually, it's very bleak, that um, it might be like the end times because the dead are rising up, and that this is actually just biblical stuff that's happening, and it might be like the end of days. Judgment day. Um, Which... I love Ray's expression because it is like, this is a little too much. Yep, got too deep too quick. (laughs) So I suggest playing some music. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a really great conversation. Oh, it's fantastic. Because it's like, you can see that Winston is processing everything that's happening and has some real input for them. And I think he's driving the Ecto-1. Yeah, he is driving. That's why I think he's a Ghostbuster because he gets to drive the Ecto-1 too. Yeah. And I love that he just like is thinking about things that Ray didn't even think think about that could be a possibility oh yeah so our favorite person ever epa peck whatever the hell his name is walter peck shows up and now he has um police and they believe someone from the city with him yep um and he is there to shut them down bless janine she tries to stop them oh no hold on i've seen tv i know you can't come in here without a warrant or a writ or something but they bust in and go downstairs and he orders this guy from the city to shut this all down Everyone is warning him that if he does something catastrophic will happen. Even the guy from the city is like, I don't know what this yeah, is. Yeah, I've never seen this. Yeah. And this guy's like, just do it. Peter makes his way in a little later. Then he tries to stop them, too. And I love what Peck says. You could shoot him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> if he does that again, you can shoot him. But I love how the police, everyone hates this man. Oh, Even 100%. <laughs> everybody. He calls him a pencil neck and he's like, don't tell me don't how to do, do my, my job. job. <laughs> you do your job. Don't tell me how to do mine. So they shut this down, and I love that it's like kind of this light comes through, and then you see the bricks start to loosen, and they pop out, and the light comes through from there. They all leave. This explosion should have almost leveled this building. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't. It shoots up through the roof Mm -hmm. and out the front. I love when they're all running out, and Rick Moranis... I love him so much. He's perfect. <laughs> his little run, the way he's looking over his shoulder without really turning his head. He's great. He's so, and I, oh, and then when um, Egon is trying to protect the grid and also Janine and Lewis, and he looks so amused looking at him holding his arms out. Like, <laughs> what is happening here? But yeah, so the building explodes basically. And all of these ghosts are released back into the city all of these spirits apparitions everything that they've caught and now we have a mini montage i was gonna say you must be so excited there's another montage this montage would have been better if there were more there's only i think like two or three ghost activity things that happen the cabbie the hot dogs well, again, they had uh, some more planned, uh, but had to change it for time. One of the ideas was to have the mink stole that comes to yep. life and runs away, which That's they do in the, the second sequel. one. But I love this montage because I love the song. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's such a good Magic. song. song. Magic. And I love that the cab driver. The skeleton cab driver. That's my favorite ghost in the movie. Oh, he's fantastic. He's yeah. I mean, he is the scariest looking ghost in the whole movie. You mm-hmm. know what else was supposed to get was supposed to happen and then the ecto was supposed to get haunted at that oh, yeah, point that's right oh. a police officer was going to give it a ticket and yep. the ecto one wouldn't let him yep <laughs> <laughs> such a good i love it 
So we do get, um, I'm going to say it's a mini montage because it could have been more montage. Oh, yeah. It's totally um, a mini montage. But it's still great because you see the chaos that's starting to descend onto the city. And our boys are in jail. And it's funny because they've really captivated all the other people that are in jail. They're all just watching what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Which I think is hilarious. They end up talking here about how Dana's building was built to attract paranormal activity yep so this scene uh in the jail where egon is telling uh the whole backstory of of everything again you said you know it's not essential for us to know to enjoy the movie but there's so much history here that is very interesting to really think about but you almost have to write it down to really soak it all in because so much is being said right now oh yeah it's hard to remember at all but it's all really neat and makes everything that happens in the movie seems so real and authentic. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's setting up, like we've had the buildup to Gozer showing up, but you don't fully understand how powerful this guy, like the inherent danger from this god what is she like a Yeah, she's a god. She's yeah. Yeah, when she her her it showing up and even if you don't retain all the information that's being given to you, the way it's being conveyed, there is a sense of urgency. Oh, yeah. And they are freaked out. And enough to get all these people who are, who knows why they're in jail, to pay attention to what they're saying and want to know what's happening. Yes. So I really love that. That Carl Winslow shows up. I know. So I asked, <laughs> I asked Robert, I'm like, so after this, because he's a cop here. And then a few years later, I'm like, is when he's being shot at um, in what is the plaza? Nakatomi? Not, Nakatomi Plaza and uh, Die Hard? Yeah. Is he like, did I leave New York for this? That's what I always thought. I always thought, <laughs> man, poor guy. He left New York, comes to L.A. and then this crap happens. <laughs> And then he left to go to Chicago and exactly. had, he had met Urkel. Fa- yeah, had a family. Because <laughs> he's a cop in that, too. He really is. He is. <laughs> I mean, he, may, he makes a very convincing cop. Oh, God, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the gatekeeper and the key master have united. Yeah, they did. And uh, they share a little kiss. <laughs> yeah, so they're in Dana's apartment. And the kitchen door opens and there's a stairway in there going to whoever, wherever, because earlier, yes, um, (laughs) earlier, Dana, as all of the spirits were leaving the Ghostbuster headquarters, she, Zul, blew out all of the walls to her apartment. Yep. So now her apartment has no walls. Um, The only wall that is left is to the kitchen and through that door in that wall there is a stairway going up so they head up that way yeah the corner penthouse of spook central is now gone yeah it is <laughs> so yeah so we get to the mayor's office and uh there's a whole bunch of like just a flurry of activity and it turns out that the city is ever so slowly not slowly actually very quickly descending into chaos yes and they can't explain what is happening they don't know how to fix it did he also call for the ghostbusters yes. or was it okay yeah so they are now i think he even says get me the ghostbusters that's Does, the second one where yeah the second one he like he yeah says, get me the Ghostbusters. Oh, maybe it is then maybe maybe what i just maybe i just assumed he called the ghostbuster but yeah i feel like he does where it's a thing where they're like well obviously this is a situation for the ghostbusters but then they also have this guy that from the epa that they yeah. need to kind of figure out what's happening yeah. so um all of these people show up so the ghostbusters are pretty much not really pleading their case they're like let us take care of this worst thing that happens nothing happens and we go to jail 
best thing that happens. We save all of these registered voters. And even the church shows up and the church is like, we can't be affiliated yeah, yeah, yeah. with any of this, um, which is so hilarious because it's like, shouldn't you be affiliated with this stuff? But um, but yeah. No, but and- I think that's exactly what the church would do. I mean, anytime like the church is always afraid, like, oh, if you say that there's aliens, then everybody's going to freak out that's and you true. say there's ghosts and yeah, that's yeah. what the church does. And at this point, again, the Toby of the government gets kicked out <laughs> by the mayor. Yeah. The mayor's like, I don't like you. Get out of here. Not before they uh, talk about about how he's dickless. That's true. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Well, that's what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) And so they convince the the mayor to let them do what they can do and what they do best. And we also have that great line where they're describing uh, what could happen if the ghosts take over and Gozer takes over. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. 40 years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Masses Enough! I get the point! They get a police and army escort to Dana's apartment building. (laughs) And you get that great song, Save the Day. Yeah. Save the Day. People around the city are so excited to see them driving through. I know. But um, in real life, every New Yorker was mad because they blocked up one of the main <laughs> thoroughfares for New York. And I forget who it was, but it's somebody big actually came down to the set and was like, what is happening? And Dan Aykroyd first was like, oh, I'm a big fan of yours. But then he was like, he tried to blame it on Godfather 2 or whatever was filming there at the exact same time. They all they, they kept saying, it's not us, it's them to the other movie the whole time. <laughs> Gremlins, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. Yeah. So the city is happy to see him. They get to the apartment building um, to a bunch of fanfare, and the sky turns really ominous, and there's thunder and lightning, and the ground opens up from under the yeah. building and swallows our Ghostbusters. And that's when a brick bounces, or a rock bounces, a big cement block. Oh, if really? you If you watch it, when it hits the ground, it bounces. <laughs> and I love how this is done. It's done so well, where it's like... It reminded me of um, Universal Studios uh, Earthquake. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it would just, like, reset itself. Yep. It also um, reminds me of the big fight scene in Superman 2. Oh, sure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. uh, I think it's done a little bit better, though. Here. I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> they get swallowed into the ground, and the crowd is silent, and they pop back up. And I love one of them says that they weren't expecting that or something yeah. <laughs> when they do come back up. I love how much... Peter Venkman is hamming the whole situation up. He's hamming up yeah, the whole yeah, situation. Oh, yeah, he's totally hamming it up. Mm-hmm. And then one of the people in the crowd scene is a very famous person. Who? Now, have you ever spotted him? Oh, yeah. You can see him clearly. I wasn't sure if... I it's, think it's I real. may have seen him. I, there's actually... If you actually just type it in, his name is Ron Jeremy. Oh my and God. if you type in Ron Jeremy Ghostbusters, they actually have uh, screen grabs now where you can see exactly where he is in this. That's in the scene. funny. So, yeah, so they come out of the ground. They're okay. They go inside, and <laughs> I love that it's this big buildup. Like, we're going inside. They go inside, and they have to walk up 22 flights of stairs, and it's the best gag of them it's just so good. trudging up the stairs. Wearing one of those proton packs. <laughs> we, we, everybody who's ever in a Ghostbusters group tries to recreate that shot and you get about a flight up and you're like nope i'm done (laughs) nope do you throw up when you get to the 20th floor i would have i seriously would have it's mine my my pack weighs 55 pounds one of the guys packs weighs about 20 25 pounds my new pack that i'm making now will weigh about 30 35 pounds 
but that's a lot. That yeah. is a lot, a lot. That is a lot. I held, I held, I've held several children, and I'm just like, after 10 minutes, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, take this take away. Take this thing away, yeah. <laughs> so I, I love the shot of them climbing, and you just see the stairway is going into <laughs> infinite space. A matte painting, I assume. Yeah, it's totally yeah. a matte painting, yeah. Uh, how, how high up you think, like, where do you think the matte painting starts there? It's actually really cool. They have, a, they have a shot of it. Again, if you Google it, you can see the shot, but it is... Literally one flight of stairs and everything oh, else nice. is a map painting. Nice. Yeah. So they get up to Dana's apartment and we get that aerial view of it with all the blasted out walls and whatnot. And um, sort of a bird's eye view. They're like, oh, here are the stairs. Um, they have to go somewhere. So they go up they the go stairs. Azul <laughs> and Vince. Vince Clortho. Have summoned Gozer, which earlier we get the impression because they're laying on that park bench thing that they've consummated. They did. This. Yeah. And yeah, because yeah. his belt's undone. That's what, that's what summons Gozer. Is yes. them. Yeah. That's why he's a key master. She's the gatekeeper. They interlock. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> they've turned back into the Terror Dogs. And um, they've opened up the portal. Great transition. uh, It is a fantastic one. Yeah. Gozer shows up and it turns out that it can be whatever it wants to be. And at this point in time, it decides to be a woman. Yep. So Ray is the spokesman for the group, really, and all of (laughs) New York and New York State. Well, yeah. Um, (laughs) And goes up and asks her to please leave. As a duly designated representative of the city county and state of new york i order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension yeah it's such like an official statement oh it really is she says are you a god he says no are you a god She then like zaps, zaps them, them. Yeah. and tries to push them off of the roof, but they're able to hold on. And here we get Winston telling him, Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> and that's one of the scenes where you can see, and I don't recall what happens, but you can see that they're wearing the stunt packs in that scene. Like oh. something like it. I think it compresses, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah, and then you got that great line from Bill Murray saying, This chick is toast! He decides that they're going to try and capture her. So they pew, 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 zap at her. Aim for the flat top! (laughs) You know, here's another bit of useless trivia. You can take the proton wand or the wand, neutrino wand off, but you can't put it back on yourself. You need someone else to put it back on. So you'll never see them actually putting it back on because it's really hard to angle it and get it back on. <laughs> That's why they started wearing them on the belts. Oh, they zap at her. She somersaults over their head. They try again and she just kind of disappears. Yep. And so um, Ray thinks that he's, they've neutralized her and they get really excited but then you just hear her booming voice. She tells them that the traveler has come, is going to come, and that they need to choose the chosen form of the traveler yep. who will bring destruction. And so Vinkman figures out that they all just need to decide on what it is. And they're like, let's make it something that we can destroy. No, you got to clear your mind. Yeah. Clear, yeah, yeah. Make it something small, you know, so they can all think of the same thing. Well, no, he, he wants them he, to clear to their mind. Think of so anything. if you don't think of anything, nothing will come. It won't oh, come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. No, it's clear your mind. Don't think of anything because that way they won't come. Gotcha. Yeah. But Ray already thought of something. Yep. Right, <laughs> just pop right in there. Yeah, because he thought of something that would never hurt them. Yes. It's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. 
Yay, Bill Bryan. He's yeah. the guy that's in the costume. He's awesome as well. Oh, awesome. And it's a great shot when you first see the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. You see the like a pan. Of his head. Yeah, I see a pan on the top of the buildings and his face just appear. It reminds me of King Kong, that shot. Oh, sure. And they had planned to do another initial shot where he rises from the sea next yep. to the Statue of Liberty. Mm. And that's how he appears to sort of give the scale of how big he is. But they're just going to get that effect. Yeah, the budget, out. yeah. So he's introduced, and I love the mayhem, and I love his little face, his <laughs> oh, giant yeah. face. He's just like, hey, guys. He's so happy. He's so happy, and I love that his eyes shifted back and forth, and everyone is just fleeing in terror from this guy. He steps on the church. Nobody steps on a church in my town! <laughs> he tries to kind of get to them on the side. So the Stay of Marshmallow Man is trying to murder them, and they're trying to figure out how to stop this. Egon decides or realizes that if they cross the streams, they can reverse this portal and just kill, get rid of. Yeah, yep. Basically, Dozer. they don't have enough power separately. They need to converge yeah. and, and do this thing that they talked about earlier to cause a different reaction than if they were trying to capture her. So they do shoot at the marshmallow, which causes him to just kind of start getting toasty yep. and he's on fire. Well, I like, you know, he's so happy. And then as soon as he turns and looks at the building, <laughs> so his pain. grin comes yeah. on. <laughs> he's just so mad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so they shoot at Gozer. They cross the streams and they like, they all get very close together. Yeah, they do. Put all of their stuff together. Um, and they're able to cause an explosion that should have leveled everything in sight. And before they do that, when they're about to do it, I love when Peter says to Ray, like, see you on the other side. Yeah. Like, it's such a moment of seriousness from Peter. Like, because mm-hmm. he knows yeah. this is it. Like, there's it. a good chance they're not going to come out of this. Yeah. See you on the other side, Ray. And then they all go into it knowing that that's, this is the only thing that they can do. Yeah, they're yeah. sacrificing themselves for yeah. the world. Which I love it. And they cause this mass explosion, which causes marshmallow. It, it melts. I love the scene of like the fire just melting the face off yep. of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Yep. And he's screaming. And then instead of being like giant flaming pieces of toasted marshmallow, it's just marshmallow goo on everything. <laughs> yeah. Everything except for one thing. Peter Vinkman. That's right. Because he did not want to be part of that. I had a feeling that was the reason. Oh, no, it really is. I mean, they, he he said he was the one who came up with the idea of, well, he's not really a scientist. He's more of, you know, whatever, a player. So that's why he never tucked in his boots. Like the, the, the flight suits never tucked in his boots. That's why he didn't like to have that on there. It's just a little bit on his shoulder. But it makes such a perfect sight gag that he yeah. just comes out of it basically unscathed. Yeah. And I love that the that Peck guy, he's standing there and just... All of this marshmallow just destroys him. 50 pounds of shaving cream. Some some sites say 500 pounds, but they I tested read, it. I read 75. See, that's what I'm saying. They're always different amounts, but they tested it initially because they were afraid that it would hurt him. Yeah. And they tested it on somebody. A stunt and, guy. Yeah, one of the stunt guys. And it was like, nope, we got to cut back. And then what the actual amount, they always vary. Well, apparently when they tested it, it was like double oh, of, it was, what, of what they ended up using in the movie. They just wanted a bunch to go on the guy and it leveled the stunt guy. So they're yeah, like, it was okay, 150 let's pounds not do that there. much. That's crazy. So then the guys, that's so they're like, well, it won't hurt you because it's shaving cream. And then so he's like, well, what's the difference? It's, it's like 75, 75 pounds of feathers pounds, yeah. or 75 pounds of yeah. brick. It's still 75 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I, it probably yeah. hurt him a little bit. Oh, it had to. Yeah. I mean, it he looked got, like when yeah. it made contact with the ground, it looked like it hurt. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the guys all come out. They find each other. 
at that moment, Venkman is mourning the loss of Dana because the statues, the dogs are back to statues and they're toppled over. But, oh, um, Venkman, I'm sorry. <laughs> very, very, his Canadian very just Canadian like really right comes out there. Very. And one of the dogs, Dana's hand pops out very daintily. She does a really great uh-huh. stretch with her hands and she kind of just like makes a little moaning noise. And so they help her out of there. And Lewis has helped himself out. Um, you turned out the lights. <laughs> so good. And so they're all, they also survive, and they've saved all of New York. They go downstairs, and there's a bunch of fanfare. Everyone's very excited. Ron Jeremy can be seen. <laughs> How? But why does Dana and Lewis have any marshmallow on them at this point? That that is a odd thing, and it should not have been there. Only well, because they were hugging the Ghostbusters. Well, yeah, I'd but it's a lot of. <laughs> but the best part of the whole part of that is who gets the last line, and that's why again I think he's one of the Ghostbusters. It's oh, because he says I love. Yeah, I love your, this town. Yeah, love this town. Yeah, yeah. I love this town. Bingman <laughs> and Dana share a kiss. Yeah. And uh, they get into the Ecto-1, except for poor Lewis. He gets pulled aside. I know, and he says, he's like, I'm going to go in the car with them. (laughs) (laughs) He gets driven off by, like, the hospital or whatever. And then I was telling Inthia, you know, Janine shows up, gives a kiss to Egon or something, hugs him. I never realized that was Janine. What? Really? Because yeah, I didn't you know, until today. She, because I was watching one of the deleted scenes where she's in the same outfit with, oh, the, sure. uh, with the headscarf. Yeah. I always thought it was just like some Jewish mother or something being <laughs> like, oh, look at this Jewish scientist. That, one. <laughs> that did such a good job. I'm going to come up and give him a hug. <laughs> I do love that they show the different people of the town or of the city rejoicing. Um, and there's also some kids who have already made like Ghostbuster yeah, shirts yeah. and they're scalping and it's just it's fun it's so fun it's a great ending and well that's the end of Ghostbusters that is the end of Ghostbusters yeah the credits start to roll and then get a a little nice surprise at the end when they're driving yes, away yes here comes our friend Slimer Slimer comes and flies towards the camera, and that's that. Yep. Now, what do you think of this fan theory that all the Ghostbusters actually died? <laughs> that's them going. I don't. Happen. I don't like any part of it. No, I don't. I don't either. like any part of it. Had they flown away like in the end of Greece in Ecto One, I'd been like, okay, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> they were dead the whole time. But you know, no, I don't like that at all. They, they yeah. didn't die. They were. They survived. Well, it really doesn't work with Ghostbusters too. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, terrific picture. That was Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's great. And it was in the movie theaters forever because that's what they did back in the day. So I could, like I said, I saw it four times and it wasn't like four times in a month. It was mm-hmm. four times like over a year. Oh, wow. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Why don't we uh, talk a little bit about the making of and whatnot? What? Sure. So like always when we start one of these things, I like to ask if you know what the original title for the movie was. Do you know what an early title for Ghostbusters was? Uh, No. 
What about you? Ghost Smashers. Ghost Smashers. Really? Yeah. They even have the, like, when they're in front of the, the firehouse, and they're doing, like, Ghost Smashers, Ghost Busters. I mean, they try out different titles, because, like I said, they didn't know if they could get the rights. Ah. Yeah, but Ghost Busters is a much better title, in my so opinion. So much better. <laughs> Ghost Smashers just sounds weird. Yeah, it does. The script is written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, who, mm-hmm. you know, play Ray and... Egon. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, Harold Ramis wasn't going to be in it. They were going to get someone else, but he thought he could do the job well himself. He does it so well. The two main stars were going to be Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Oh. But it was going to be John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, and... Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy was going to play Winston Zedmore. That's in an early script where it would have been set in the future. Mm -hmm. And they would have had the wands instead of the proton packs and Mm -hmm. all that. And as I mentioned earlier, that there would be different groups of Ghostbusters all throughout the United States. So Eddie Murphy was going to be Winston, and he was going to be a much bigger role and throughout the entire movie, much how we want (laughs) Winston to be. No, totally. That's what the role was. And when Ernie Hudson went for the part, that's the script that he read, and he thought that's the role he was going to get. Then he saw it was cut back by a lot. And, you know, I read somewhere an interview with him that as much as he loves being in Ghostbusters, it's also very frustrating because of that, that they had to change so much of it. Yeah, I read an article a few years ago that came out about how drastically his oh yeah no it's completely different but like i said it's also it was a it wasn't a script it was a rambling pile of stuff that there was no way they could have made it Mm -hmm. yeah and also um eddie murphy or winston would have been the one to get slimed by slimer instead Uh. of uh lankman so Dan Aykroyd, you know, he came up with the idea of the script. And apparently one of the reasons that he was inspired to write that script was he lived in a real haunted house. Yep. Haunted by singer Cass Elliot. Oh, no, no. That's his house that he lived in in Los Angeles. He grew up in a, a haunted farmhouse. But then when he when he was living in Los Angeles, yeah, by Mama Cass. And he sold that house to Beverly D'Angelo. Oh, so was that after Ghostbusters was made? No, 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 no. It was was around the time that Ghostbusters was made. In fact, the ghost sex scene Uh is based off of a real thing that happened to Dan Aykroyd. He was... He was doing a movie. He was in bed. He got he got into bed. He he felt someone get into bed with him, but he thought it was a masculine figure, not a female figure. And he said, "Well, I could freak out, but I'm very tired." I think he was filming Dragnet. If Dragnet came out before Ghostbusters, I can't recall if it does. But he was filming something in L.A. And he said, "Well, I could get up and freak out and run away, but I'm really tired. And I got to get up early for it." So he snuggled with it, and that's what <laughs> gave him that idea for that scene. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Also early on, they were going to have someone else play Gozer. Yes. Paul Rubens. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it, though. How good would that have been? It would have been good. It would have been great. Are you a god? (laughs) It would have been great. (laughs) Hey, man, he was fantastic in Buffy. No, he was. He was really great. Do you know who ended up playing Gozer? I I can't think of her name off the top of my head, which is is a bummer because I've met her a number of times. Um, I had sushi with her. She's a very nice woman. Her name is Slavica Jovan. There we go. And she originally was going to do the voice also, but she had a thick accent and just didn't work. Very so they thick. got a voiceover person to do the voice. And her name is... I don't know this one. Patty Edwards. Choose. Choose the form of the destructor. And she is also the voice of a famous Disney character. When I tell you this, you can hear the two voices are exactly the same. 
Can you figure it out? Okay, Patty Edwards. I don't know this. I don't. Really? I've never. I've never known this. This creepy voice that yeah. sounds almost like the Exorcist. Can I ask voice. a question? Did she do the Disney voices after this? Yeah. Really. She is the voice. I just say it. Yeah. Floatsum and Jetson. God damn it! That's oh. exactly it. Damn it! Oh. The exact voice. Oh. Wow! Shit! I never knew that. She has a very serious problem. If only there was something we could do. By the way, it's Flotsam and Jetsam. Oh, Flotsam and Jetsam. How does Flotsam? Flotsam. So, yeah. <laughs> so she really? does the voice of the eels yeah. from The Little Mermaid. That's the exact and same I knew, voice. I was like, it's got to be something Little Mermaid, but I couldn't think of what it could be at all. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> Let's do a little uh, rundown of the cast and whatnot. Uh, of course, we have director Ivan Reitman. The stars are Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, who we know from Alien, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, then we got Annie Potts, William Atherton, and Ernie Hudson to round out the main cast. Most of the facts that I, that I have, we actually already talked about. We peppered it in through the thing. But I just have a few things. For instance, apparently when the Ghostbusters were in jail, that was a real haunted jail. Yeah. Have you heard this? I have heard this. I thought it was an urban myth, though, or an urban legend, though. I mean, it probably is. But I just I, I read that they did uh, one day of filming there. And when they got the footage back, there were scratches all over it and stuff, but they had enough where they didn't have to go back, which Ivan Reitman was very happy about because he didn't want to go back there. (laughs) Let's see. The terror dog design. Apparently, that was based off of gargoyles that were on a church in Philadelphia. Oh. And another idea or rumor is that the whole idea of Dana turning into a terror dog was created by her. In her audition. She, I would say she did audition as a dog, yeah. Yeah, she got on all fours and was acting like the terror dog, and I guess that kind of was her idea. Yeah, I always wondered if that was the idea, or if they said, you turned into a dog, and she just didn't understand it and just kind of went with it. But yeah, she was growling <laughs> and doing all that stuff, barking and snapping at them, yeah. Yeah, the Ecto-1. We talked about it, it's our favorite car. Do you know how they made the siren? Rumor has it. A cat. It is a... Leopard snarl slowed down and manipulated and and digitized. Really? Apparently, but it sounds like just a classic siren to me. Yeah, I thought it was always some European siren that they just got. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I can tell you that uh, I can tell you that every Ecto one that's replica that's being built, they use the wave file from the movie no one has that actual siren it's literally just a digital file that they all use for the siren now oh really i think they need to go to halloween town and get that little cat (laughs) (laughs) that's right so there was something added to the uh proton packs to let the animators who were going to do the visual effects know when the proton packs were little flash bulb at the front working yeah yeah they had little flash bulbs at the front of it oh okay so basically i guess the actors could press the button it would turn on and then they would know this is when and it really it really is a flash bulb like his like i said when we redid the the one it's still in there Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> uh, but the proton wands also have a little green lever on the left side of them. And when you pull that lever, the clear tube pops out in the front. 
And you can actually see in a couple of deleted scenes, they're actually re-releasing Ghostbuster for this um, Halloween. And in it, there is like one of those Fathom events. In it, they're going to have some of the deleted scenes that have never been seen before, but we saw a couple of them. Um, and one of them is them resetting it when they're walking out and saying like, we got them at the, in the ballroom when they first got Slimer. You can see Harold Ramis pushing it back and then putting that, that rod back on. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of deleted scenes, I'm just going to go through and mention a few. We mentioned pretty much all of these, I think. But let's see. We have, there are more shots of the boys being thrown off at the campus at the beginning where, hey, Dean Yeager, uh, gives them a hard time. <laughs> uh, several scenes of Janine and Egon and their relationship that we had talked about. There's a little extended scene after Peter leaves Dana's apartment. And he runs into Lewis and says, what a woman. There's that deleted scene of the newlyweds at the hotel. Yes, that one I remember. Uh, and then something happens in the bathroom and they freak out Oh, and, and the guy like is screaming. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. It's a weird, I think because there's like no music to yeah. it. Oh, so yeah. That, yeah. He just seems like he's kind of a jerk. And then he's just yeah. real weird when he comes out of the bathroom. And apparently I've never seen it, but there's also a deleted scene of the Ghostbusters inspecting that very room. Yes. We have the one that we mentioned where the Ecto-1 won't let a policeman give it a ticket. It's such a good scene, too. Um, I really wish they would have done that. Yeah. That sounds so much like uh, the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. very Herbie Lovebug kind of a thing, too, but it's so good. It's yeah. very appropriate. Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd playing Bums, which uh, yeah. is on the DVD releases as a deleted scene. We have the deleted scene of Ray and Winston inspecting that fort. And then Ray, yeah. so Ray dresses in an old general's Does coat. Does it say what the fort's called? Because it's driving me crazy. Fort Detmering. Thank you. Ray dresses in an old general's coat and he falls asleep. For no reason. Yeah, why don't I just put some curtain <laughs> balls asleep? no reason. <laughs> is this what they're driving back from yes. later on? Yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And then he wakes up and the ghost is above him, and that's what we get in that montage. There's a scene where Lewis meets two muggers in Central Park during the ghost montage. There's a scene of Peter and Ray talking with the mayor outside of City Hall. And another deleted scene is one that's on the DVD that you could see is after the marshmallow man is destroyed, his giant hat falls oh, to the ground. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. a good one. And everyone kind of stomps on it now. <laughs> it's like everyone grabs it and wants to play with it. <laughs> oh, there's also a scene where Dana and, and Lewis talk and he's like did we just and she's like no no, no. yeah <laughs> and then he's like N but he knows that they did but she's like mm -mm, and just kind of walks away from it but they did <laughs> they did and then there were some scenes that were storyboarded but not shot two of the ones that i just want to mention are a scene where egon plugs it the proton pack in the wall and he yeah. uses it but then it melts the plug there's actually a they must have filmed some of that because oh, yeah? there are stills and i can't remember what companion book or magazine or or whatever yeah but there is a lot of footage of him building the pro or, or photos of him building the proton pack and things plugged in and it, it's there's a little thing above it that says like ghostbusters and it's scrolling back and forth very reminiscent of what they do with the ecto-1a oh and then that scene with the ladies mink coat that was storyboarded it wasn't filmed i guess yep so ghostbusters came out and it became the highest grossing comedy of all time until what movie took over that title beverly hills cop no is it a recent comedy? 1990. Home Alone? Wait, That's it. Home Alone. Is it oh. really? Oh, wow. I definitely want to get it. Would you really consider Home Alone? I guess Home Alone's a comedy. Of course. I, I don't, I'm not yes, a fan no. of it, so yeah. You don't like Home Alone? No. At all? I don't think I've, I think I've seen it all once. I, I like Home Alone. 
I enjoy Home Alone greatly. Maybe I should watch it then. After the movie, the movie stuck around with the actors because it was such a popular movie. For instance, Sigourney Weaver had a fire in her apartment one time. Do you know this story? Uh, she had a fire in her apartment, and firemen came to put out the fire. And one of them went over and opened up her fridge and said, Whoa, you better call the Ghostbusters. <laughs> so messed up. That poor so lady. Yeah, she's had a fire, dude. I need you to get out of my house, sir. <laughs> Read the burnt up room. <laughs> Come on. That's great. Uh, but then the other uh, story of someone that had to deal with <laughs> the ramifications of being in Ghostbusters was William Atherton. People would taunt him <laughs> all the time and pick fights with him because he was People such a jerk in the movie. No, they everywhere. still to this day. He was talking yeah. about that a few years ago when he did. they did uh, a screening of Ghostbusters and they had him there with a couple other people. And he was like, I know you think it's funny, but don't scream, this man has no dick. I've heard it. I don't appreciate it. I'm with my kids when this was going on. And he was so mad about yeah. it. And we felt so bad. Oh, my God. He also God. tells a story that he was standing. He was you know, in the neighborhood or whatever. And a school bus went by. And everyone on the school bus was yelling at him, dickless, no That's dick. so messed up. He's the nicest guy in the world. Ah. <laughs> oh. Ghostbusters went on to be nominated for two Oscars. Do you know the two nominations? I'm going to assume special effects. That's one. And music? Close. Oof. Best song. Yep. Oh. Ghostbusters, Ray Parker Jr. Ripped off from Huey Lewis. Yes, that's right. Really? Yeah. He got, Huey Lewis made a lot of money off of that deal. Really? Yep. There was a music video for Ghostbusters that was directed by Ivan Reitman. It featured cameos from various celebrities. Mm-hmm. I haven't yeah, watched it in a like long time. Yeah, they just kind of turned to the camera and, Ghostbusters! <laughs> yep. Yeah, it has Chevy Chase, John Candy, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, George Wendt, Al Franken, Danny DeVito, Carly Simon, Peter Falk, Terry Garr, a ton of people. It was all, everybody in the cast and Ivan Reitman called in all the favors to be like, please do yeah. this. It's going to take 10 minutes kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I put Ray Parker Jr. on the map. Ghostbusters went on to do a sequel, Ghostbusters 2, which came out in 1989. I love the sequel. Not I as much as the it. original, but I really love it. Lots of people don't like it. I give it bad no. reviews. But you know what, though? If you ever read the real script, like they got their budget cut in the middle of filming Ghostbusters 2. And they had some ambitions that would have, and the script itself was fantastic before they really started chopping it. Because they kept saying, well, you made the first one for like 30 million. You can make this one for 30 million or whatever it was. And they were like, no, it's we want to go grander. We want to go bigger. And yeah. they really chopped it. Basically, what happens at the end was really only the middle of the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then we get the remake in 2016. It was what it was. It wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. Well, they originally were going to be, it was going to start with Dan Aykroyd and... I want to say Bill Murray as well, going like, like Bill Murray's now doing infomercials for like Be Your Own Ghost Academy kind of a Mm. thing. And it was going to be a continuation. And I was completely fine with that. And then it morphed into that's a different universe and the Ghostbusters never existed for whatever reason. And I think that was a real slap in the face to the old movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And it's especially weird because they are all in it doing cameos as other characters. Except for Rick Moranis. Well, perhaps you'll come back for the next Ghostbusters because there is another one coming out next year. I hope so because I'm really, really looking forward to this one. I am too. And that little teaser that they did was so So good good. because you get the great music score you get my favorite thing about Ghostbusters, the Ecto-1. Yes, and they did it so well. I like the fact that the Ecto-1 is rusting away. I like everything. I like the sounds of them trying to spark up the proton pack. It yeah. was 
perfect. Mm-hmm. And I just want to mention real quick, the spinoffs from Ghostbusters, I've mentioned it several times, the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon, which I love, which also had the action figure line by Kenner. I think these are the best action figures ever made. Um, Except for Star Wars, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost toys were so neat. I especially loved like I can't remember what you call them, but like the neighborhood ones where they were like, you get the mailman who turns into a monster or the garbage man who turns into a big praying mantis. They were so neat, the transformations. They had a ton of them. They were great. Yeah, and I still have pretty much all of them. And I have the Firehouse still and the Ecto-1. I had the Proton Pack. I don't have that anymore, unfortunately. And as I said before, I... Did you keep the foam thingy on it when you were playing with yours? Or did you take that part off? I took it off. Everybody took it off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and as I said before, I I always wanted the ghost trap and never got one. Wasn't there another, there was a spinoff from the Ghostbusters cartoon to another one? Yeah, Extreme Ghostbusters. Extreme Ghostbusters. I actually auditioned for Extreme Ghostbusters when I first moved out here because I did a couple of voiceover auditions, and that was one of the things I auditioned for. Oh, wow. And the guy said to me, and I I since realized that that I played that wrong, Um, afterwards he was like, oh, you did a great job. He goes, but he was kind of joking around. He was like, you're such a good looking kid why don't you do tv and i said well, why don't you cast me in a tv show and he went from like smiling to like next and oh. i was like oh no i messed that up bad yeah that is ghostbusters i i gotta say like from the get-go it was always one of my favorite movies because i was kind of a wimp because that was around i don't know what time do you know what year poltergeist came out what 83 maybe 82 82 okay so that's still the scariest movie i've ever seen in my life in the theater i did not want to see it scares the crap out of me i still can't go and watch it (laughs) um but ghostbusters was scary but it was equally funny and that's when i was like okay now i like scary movies because i know it's not real and you can have fun with it Mm -hmm. and that's what i liked about ghostbusters that's why i went and saw it so many times that's great well the older i get the more i appreciate ghostbusters and how great it is especially the acting and i remember probably about 10 years ago i really hit on the fact on how brilliant bill murray is in this he really is and how he you know drives the movie basically and i was watching an old review of ghostbusters that siskel and ebert did and by the way they gave it two thumbs up excellent siskel said that the special effects didn't work as well for him as ebert liked but he still gave it a thumbs up wow (laughs) (laughs) but they mention another reviewer that they agree with was talking about how bill murray is sort of the modern day wc fields or groucho marx and he really kind of is yeah the way that he acts in this movie he's sort of the ringleader the one that sort of like he's saying the type of things that we would say well when they're in the hospital in the hospital they're in the jail and ray is saying everything about gozer and he's like pretend i'm not a scientist pretend i'm not (laughs) just tell me what is happening right and he's able to break it down in plain english so he's yeah yeah, 100 percent. he's the one we can relate to and he's also you know he's the one that would like wiggle a cigar and seduce the woman i was gonna say (laughs) and he gets the girl yeah 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 Yeah. i guess that's that kurt yes do you want to add anything of where we could find you or anything you sure. want to promote? Sure. You can find me at Paranormal Almanac at ParanormalAlmanac.com. Uh, my podcast is Paranormal Almanac. Uh, Twitter is not Paranormal Almanac because it sucks. I don't know what it is. I think it's like Paramac or something. It's terrible. I apologize. But I don't do anything really with Twitter with Paranormal Almanac. I do it on Facebook. I do do it on Instagram. Not as much as I should, but I do. You um, do do. I do do. Yeah, that's 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 where you can find me. That's my entire existence at the moment so yeah (laughs) 
Very nice. And Inthea? You can find us at podsandmonsters.com. You can find us on Instagram at Pods and Monsters Podcast and on Facebook and Twitter at Pods and Monsters. Oh, and you can also email us at podsandmonsters at gmail.com. I want to do that. And you can email me at paranormalalmanac at gmail.com, especially if you have a real UFO or paranormal or uh, extraterrestrial or whatever sighting, cryptid sighting. I love to hear all of your real stories. As long as they're real, that's all I ask. So, my name is Robert. My name is Anthea. And I'm Kurt. (laughs) And we hope you enjoyed having a wonderful... uh... Nope. (laughs) We hope that Bustin' makes you feel good. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. We came, we saw, we kicked it. Hey, Dean Yeager.